Ever wondered what unicorns eat for breakfast? Okay, so I don't actually know. But I do know that 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot. And for good reason. HubSpot's all-on-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support. Plus, they have a huge collection of resources to help startups scale. And with the HubSpot for Startups program, you could save big off your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot, visit HubSpot.com startups. Good morning, everyone. It's Friday, June 23. I'm Juliet Bennett-Ryla here with Ben Berkeley, and you are listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we wish we could avoid the trap of talking about the apparent cage fight between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, but here we are. We will take a fun diversion, however, toward a similar story, one that resulted in the wide adoption of paintball. But before any of that, let's talk about what else is happening in the world of business and tech. All right, we've got one big story still developing, and it is a sad one. The Coast Guard confirmed it found pieces of the missing submersible, the Titan, on the ocean floor and now believes all five passengers sadly died in what they're saying was likely a catastrophic implosion. We'll be keeping a close eye on this story as more information becomes available. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C., India's prime minister is in for a visit this week and a deepening of U.S.-India economic ties is prominently on the agenda. So with this one, it just feels like there's some very meaningful economic friendships that are budding here. Mm. I don't know if you saw, but Prime Minister Modi received a very warm welcome in Congress, which not always an easy bunch to please. And then once he leaves the U.S., it's actually not going to be long until he's right back reunited with his money buds, his good pals. (laughs) Treasury Secretary Yellen is going to India next month. President Biden has a visit planned for September. So a lot more U.S.-India to come. Hmm. Yes, I've actually seen a lot of headlines about different tech companies that are looking to move manufacturing to India. So makes sense. If you are saving up for an apartment on New York City's Upper West Side, you may need to do that for a very long time if you want to afford one of its newest apartment towers. A Bloomberg article says the building will rent out four bedroom units starting at $26,000 a month. Oof. The tower's targeted clientele are those who can afford to buy, but uh, for some reason prefer not to. Yeah, I just, I don't think I'm the right person for them, unfortunately. Like, I prefer to not spend $300,000 plus on rent every year. Also, I can't afford to. Mm-hmm. So maybe the next apartment tower is more going to be up our alley over here. Yeah, same. This tower is for me if I can find 12 to 13 people that I want to share a four-bedroom apartment with. Um, Seems unlikely. Nice Central yeah. Park views, though, apparently. So there's that. <laughs> True. Yeah. If you miss Furby, which um, I didn't, but maybe some of you did, some good news out of Hasbro. They are rolling out a new version of the 90s sensation, the toy that famously loves hugs, pats, tickles, terrorizing people with its uncanny valley has been upgraded with more than 600 different responses and will be available on Amazon for just $70 next month. My favorite part of this is they really went to try to make it cuter. Mm. It's still really off-putting. Yes. Um, And, you know, I don't know. There's, There's something to also like the modernization where now you can give it voice commands, and I think it puts on some kind of light show. But then there's still like the classic weirdness. You can feed it its little pizza charm that sits around its neck. Oh, boy. Just Yeah, it's, you know, the next generation is going to be just as unsettled as we were. So it's kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah, okay. (laughs) And 
And last but not least for our snippets today, leaning into the theme of picking fights with Elon Musk, Ford CEO Jim Farley slammed Tesla's Cybertruck, saying Ford makes, and I quote, trucks for real people who do real work. Wow. I mean, both a really funny comment and also a pretty narrow-minded one, Mm because I don't know if you've ever tried to commit to a steampunk aesthetic. That's a lot of work. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. Also going to probably be a lot of emotional energy trying to like deflect all of the like strange looks and derisive comments that you get when you roll up in one of these trucks. Mm -hmm. So it just feels like real work is maybe not a fair way to, uh, to come down on, on people who go for the cyber truck. Mm-hmm. True. All right. Now onto our main story. Here we are still talking about Elon Musk. And this is because Elon Musk recently challenged Mark Zuckerberg to a cage match, apparently inspired by news that Meta is planning a Twitter rival. Um, who do you think would win in this match if they had it? I mean, we've got one person who is trained in jujitsu, which is Mark Zuckerberg, and one person who is very much not trained in it, so far as I know. So I'm, I think I know where I'm leaning. Yeah, same. My money is on Zuck all the way, who did respond to Musk's cage fight suggestion, asking for a location. I'm surprised Zuck wasn't like, yeah, I'll meet you in the metaverse. <laughs> but no, he left that open to Musk, who proposed Las Vegas. And so this morning, you know, we're chatting about this because for some reason it is a top headline across every platform. Yeah. And it's like, why would two billionaires, both of these men have over a hundred billion dollars or their net worth is over a hundred billion dollars. Why do they want to play MTV celebrity deathmatch? Is it a joke? Will they fight? God, I, God, I just hope not. I just get secondhand embarrassment pretty bad. And this just feels like <laughs> it's just headed to a place where nobody looks good. I felt really good with where your brain went when this story broke, Juliet. So I feel like you can kind of uh, lead us down that road. Okay. So my brain went to a place it goes a lot. One of my most favorite stories, a short story called The Most Dangerous Game. Okay. You have seen this story in some form or another, but the original story was published in 1924 by author Richard Connell. And it's basically about this American game hunter who gets shipwrecked on an island where there's this guy, General Zaroff. He is very wealthy and as a result has become bored with life and hunting regular animals for sport. And he wants a more dangerous game, which is humans because they can think, you know, a lion can't really strategize, a human can, thus they're the most dangerous game. So the whole story is him basically hunting this guy for days across his island. This story reappears in pop culture numerous times. The Purge, The Hunger Games, Deadly Prey, which is a horrible movie, but also hilarious. The Hunt, I mean, just just all over the place. But in real life, that kind of thing will get you in trouble. That is not allowed. But you can pretend it turned out. And this is what we learned today. Back in the 1980s, there's this outdoorsman and author, Charles Gaines, and his best friend is a stockbroker named Hayes Noel. And they're debating on what survival means. The stockbroker basically is like, no, it's a natural drive. It's a natural instinct. I could survive anywhere, anytime. And Gaines is like, no, I think you need specific skills based on the environment that you're going to be in, whether that's the woods or the jungle or whatever. You need to know stuff. So according to the lore, they decided to play the most dangerous game. In fact, Noah would later reference it as an inspiration. They decide to hunt each other on Gaines's property. 
you know, obviously they're not really trying to harm one another. So they end up deciding they're going to use these CO2 powered guns and paint pellets, which are typically used to mark sheep and trees, not people, but they're innovating here. So they have a great time doing this. And it's so much fun that they organize a larger game later in June of that year in which players have to gather flags, like capture the flag. They get a map where the flag stations are, so they have to navigate to them. But at the same time, they're hunting each other. And if they get hit with one of the paintball pellets, then they are out. So that's the game. Sounds honestly like a great time. I get it. Yeah. I 10 out of 10 would play this game. Like, I'm not even going to pretend like... I'm above this. I would totally do it. Interestingly enough, and I think this also happens in the Hunger Games. It's been a long time since I watched that movie. The guy that wins is a forester, so he knows what he's doing. He understands the landscape. He never shot a paintball at anyone. He just like snuck around and collected all the flags. Went the total pacifist route. Beautiful. I'll be honest, that's probably how I'd go for it. But that's less because it seems like a savvy move and more just because I'd be way too afraid of the conflict. Yeah, same. Every time I watch a movie like that, like Battle Royale, I'm like, I'm hiding until like almost everyone else is out. (laughs) But from there, so it turns out some of the guys that were invited to this, they were all men, of course, in this time period. Mm -hmm. Some of them were magazine writers and they wrote articles about it. And then everyone else is like, I want to play this game. So Gaines and Noel ended up partnering with a ski shop manager named Bob Guernsey, founded the National Survival Games and franchise it. And it sold a kit where you would get the gun and pellets and directions and, and stuff like that. And it kind of exploded. Gaines cashed out early, but in 1988, Noel told the New York Times that the company employed 100 people in its New Hampshire location, and they made over $10 million in annual sales, which would be about $25.9 million today. Wow. Unfortunately. It would not last. Noel ended up selling his stake to Guernsey, who ended up filing for bankruptcy in 1995. There were a lot of competitors who were making their own products. And he also (laughs) got sued over 100 times by people who injured themselves while playing what is now known as paintball. A lot of times it was their own mistakes. Like they would not follow instructions and they would do things you're not supposed to do. Of course. With those kind of guns, you know, you're supposed to protect yourself, wear a mask, not fire into people's faces, etc. So Guernsey actually said he won a lot of the lawsuits, but fighting them, as, as we know, was expensive. So that kind of ended that company. But uh, today, the paintball industry is still worth $1.2 billion dollars which is uh, just a fraction of what Musk and Zuckerberg are worth. So they could actually buy the entire paintball industry and then they could hunt each other, which I think sounds more fun than a cage match. I would agree. I'd also say they'd probably need to buy out the paintball litigation industry, which I will assume Mm. is also worth a lot of money today. But what I love about this story is really that you are seeing a much more productive result from wealthy men who are just kind of bored with life. This is a much better result than a Vegas cage match. Yeah, absolutely. And I just looked up to see if Meta has paintball in its metaverse, and it does. Great. So, you know. This is incredible conflict resolution. I think you just figured out the right way that this needs to be hashed out. Yeah, and you know what? I think maybe they could get their friends to play with them. They could have teams. They could get out their aggression. And um, they do not have to embarrass themselves in a cage. Well, when there's a a, like national billionaire paintball league that is on TV, you know, multiple nights a week, I'm nominating you for commissioner. Hmm, Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm not sure that I would be good at it, but I would try. We'll find out. It seems like an inevitability now. If they hear this, they're going to be like, no more of this cage thing. We're doing metaverse paintball fights 
And that is how we're going to solve this. All right. You heard it here first. Billionaire paintball, start investing today. We don't know what you're going to invest in, but you should start today. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig, and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. And if you're not subscribed, go get yourself signed up at thehustle.co slash email. Catch you next week. Hey, everybody, let me tell you about this great podcast that's available right now. Creator Science, hosted by Jay Klaus, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, which is the audio destination for business professionals. Creator Science goes behind the scenes with today's top creators. Through narrative interviews, Jay Klaus explores how creators like Tim Urban, James Clear, Tori Dunlap, and Cody Sanchez are building their audiences today. And by learning how these creators make a living with their art and creativity, Creator Science can help you gain tools and confidence to do exactly the same. I was actually listening to an episode recently where Jay had on Dr. K, who is a Harvard psychiatrist. And Dr. K helps a lot of creators with performance, burnout, and dealing with a lot of negative feedback online. It's a great hour of conversation with Dr. K, where Dr. K really breaks down what it means to be a creator today and the burnout that a lot of creators do experience and what to do when you get that burnout, because you will. And you can listen to Creator Science wherever you get your podcasts, and I definitely suggest it. Listen to Creator Science wherever you get your podcasts.